You are on Texas Standard Time. Seems lots of folks breathing a bit easier now that we've survived another election season intact. Texas is still here, y'all. And though the consensus among analysts suggests Texans are more divided than ever, Texans at odds with each other, you might say, our own commentator W.F. Strong senses something oddly familiar about all this. You hear people all the time claim that if the other political party wins, they'll leave. Nobody much follows through, though. But Davy Crockett did. As he ran for re-election to Congress in Tennessee in 1835, he said that if he won, he would serve the people faithfully, as he always had. But if not, he warned, probably with a smile, they might all go to hell and I will go to Texas. He made good on his promise, too. Within six months of losing, he packed up and headed for Nacogdoches. In the early 1800s, pre-Alamo, many people from the U.S., because of debt or local government, are in pursuit of greener pastures, immigrated to Texas. They left signs on their doors or sent letters to relatives with this abbreviation, GTT. And GTT was just as clear to people then as LOL is in chat speak today. GTT meant gone to Texas. Early Texas was populated by opinionated individuals of strong beliefs and unyielding determination. And this is why the Texas Revolution was no hotbed of harmony, if I can use such an oxymoron to define it. As the idea of revolution evolved in Texas, the first disagreement was in deciding what Texans were fighting for. Were they fighting for a return to full Mexican statehood or for a Republic of Texas? Many saw the latter as suicide and argued for just reinstating the Mexican Federal Constitution of 1824, which Santa Ana had abolished when he came to power. At the first independence convention, called the Consultation, it was decided that the reinstatement of the Constitution of 1824 would be sufficient. They'd get their state's rights back. So they chose a provisional government with Henry Smith as governor and Sam Houston as commander of the army, though there was no real army at the time, just a theoretical one. The council that chose the governor then secretly arranged to send an army, this one of volunteers, to invade Matamoros, Mexico. However, they couldn't decide on who would take charge of this invasion force, so they chose three men to share command. Guess you know how that worked out. And then Governor Smith found out about the secret plan and disbanded the council, but the council said Smith had no such power, and they impeached him. Not a good start. That conflict was resolved four months later at Washington on the Brazos when 60 delegates met on March 1, 1836, and signed the Texas Declaration of Independence the very next day. They had remarkable resolve. They met, created, and signed the document declaring Texas free all within 24 hours. Fastest government in history. Of course, enemy armies advancing from the South and the West likely inspired their work. Then, at the Alamo, they couldn't decide on a single commander because the volunteers wouldn't submit to Travis's authority, so James Bowie commanded the volunteers and William B. Travis commanded the Army recruits, at least until Bowie became gravely ill, then Travis was the sole commander. All Texas commanders at the time struggled to keep control of their troops. Professor Stephen L. Hardin pointed out, Texians were great fighters but poor soldiers. Independent and insubordinate, they were an officer's nightmare. The Texian volunteer was disorderly, bedraggled, and unprofessional. He did not fight for procedures, politics, or pay. His reason stood over the hearth cooking game he had bagged. His reason napped in the crib he had crafted. His reason 
grew in the fields he had cleared and planted. Because his imperatives were so personal, he zestfully slaughtered any who threatened them. A consummate individualist, he did not want to belong to any establishment, a military establishment most of all. My point in this commentary is that Texans started off as a disorderly, contentious bunch who resisted and bucked against structure at every turn. Argument and disagreement and contentiousness remain within us, but out of this friction has arisen a beautiful and wealthy state, a place that Crockett described in his last known letter written to his children as the garden spot of the world. He said, I do so believe it is a fortune to any man to come here. There is a world of country to settle. That has been an accurate prophecy for many of us. I'm W.F. Strong. These are stories from Texas. Some of them are true. W.F. Strong is a Fulbright scholar and professor of culture and communication at the University of Texas RGV. His stories from Texas are available at texasstandard.org, on iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts.